0: it. You win over it. You overcome it. You defeat it. This is when the enemy finally gives up and realizes we cannot hold him back. We cannot stop him. He's a force to be reckoned with. He's overpowered us. He has overcome us. That's why if you'll look in the book of Exodus 10 verse 7 that literally Pharaoh's servant said to him, how long will this man talking about Moses be a snare to us? Let let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Don't you know that Egypt is destroyed? In other words, uh, all these plagues kept coming and, he, and Pharaoh would promise to let the children of Israel go and then he would change his mind. Another plague would come and another plague would come and another plague. would. Finally, the servants of Pharaoh came and said, haven't you had enough of this yet? That man Moses, he snares us. Don't you understand that if you don't let him go, already Egypt's already destroyed. are you thankful for the power of God to take care of his own saints. Can I have an amen? Israel left Egypt that day unscathed but they not only left in victory but they even left with the spools of Egypt. To take you through means you overcome it. You defeat it. You win over it. It's when you run through a troop and jump over a wall. It's when you shout and the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. It's when you exercise faith. Speak into this mountain. Be thou removed and cast to sea. And it's done. I like moments like that. I like the victory of the church.
1: I like when we have the Holy Ghost just falling. Whatever you speak, it seems to
0: happen. And the anointing of the Holy Ghost is there to see you through whatever you're going through. But however, to bring you out means you're delivered. To speaking about a bondage, a restraint, a captivity, an enslavement, or a stronghold or a hindrance. It's speaking of a time that you were restrained or you were kept back from your intended purpose and your intended goal. I don't know how many of you have ever been there, but I've been there. I've been there when I've done my best, done my best, best to serve the Lord but found myself in some hard places. There's been times I've been held back. I've been pushed back. I've been pushed
1: down. I've been bruised. I've been battled. Come on somebody. Hello my son of Ohio. And I'm here to speak to those who are battle torn and you're tired and you're fatigued and you're weary and you're sitting in your pew this morning and you're a wounded soldier. I'm here to tell you God will not only see you
0: through, he'll bring you out out. <laughs> Hallelujah. This means always also that it kept you from doing what you were wanting to do. and kept you from being who you wanted to be. And I want to tell you it means that you were hindered in life. That you were held back from your performance or your potential. It meant that you were overtaken and kept and controlled by another for a certain amount of time. Now, some of you are saying, We don't like to admit that, but all of us have been there. Don't look so pious at me. We've been there. You were over empowered or pinned. Have you ever wrestled? I loved, I, when my kids were littler, I loved to get them down, and make them say, Uncle, Uncle. Amen. I, I tap out and that, now I don't fool with them. They start in the, Amen. But we, we, you know, it's like there's times in the spirit ram that we've been pinned. The scripture uses different words though. It uses words like snared, trapped, bound, slaved, buffeted, hindered. And even though David reflects on God's promise to deliver his people from danger, Yet it also warns us of the possibility of Satan to try to deceive, distract, and misdirect us to where we can become snared and cause cause us to live beneath the privileges of our victory. I don't have to tell us and remind us here this morning that the devil is crafty, he's deceiving, and he's called the father of all lies. He has principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places, out fighting us and opposing us, trying to enslave us and entrap us. First Peter 5 and 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary. He's an adversary. He's the devil. He walketh around was like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. John 10, 10 says, that thief come of night, but for one reason, to kill, to steal, and destroy. We know that God is able to bring us through. We know that there can be, instant overcoming deliverance. We know that we can overcome that we can break through, we can go over, we can defeat the enemy and his plans. We know that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible even says in Psalms 119 verse 110 David, five Psalms earlier says this, the wicked have laid snares for me yet I have not gone astray from your precepts. He said there's been snares all around me but I've not got into one of them. He said there's been Snares against me, but I've not fallen for their fallen as a prey. He said, "I'm telling you, you're a great God, and you've kept me, and I've went through. I've won battle after battle after battle after battle. But get don't get too familiar with winning, because the familiarity will kill you if you're not careful, and you'll take the presence of God for granted, and you'll let your guard down. And if you're not careful, you'll come ensnared. God, help us." Even though this is true, yet David cannot say that in the context of the psalm that he wrote in Psalms 124, five psalms later. Look at verse seven, it reveals to us something very strange. He said, our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we are escaped. This sounds so wonderful and exciting and it is, but do we see the full application of this verse? I've never seen it in all of my years of study. David glorifies God for his deliverance. How many's been delivered here today? Would you give God a glory, a shout, if you've been delivered? Yes. Ah, hallelujah. David glorifies God for his deliverance from the stare of the enemy. He even declares he has escaped. He said, I escaped it. I've come out of it. Come on, somebody. Have you ever come out of some rough stuff before? Of course we have. We've been through it. However, we need to also notice that it says that the snare was broken. Look at verse seven again. Our soul is escaped as a bird. He's talking about the spiritual realm. Our soul is escaped as the bird out of the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we are escaped. The ways of escape for David was by the breaking of the snare, which meant at one time he was captured, he was caught, he was controlled, he was enslaved, and he was held captive. Now, I don't know about you, but we don't like to use those terminologies, but there's been times that you and I have been hindered in life. There's been times that you and I have found us losing a sense of of ability or strength, and we wonder why, because we've allowed a secret stronghold to be developed, and not knowing it, we got snared somehow and there was a moment of time when we wasn't flowing like we should be flowing and we wasn't doing what we should be doing and we wasn't making things happen the way they should be. How many of you have ever found yourself in a place like David? Yes, David was there and even though David understood that he had a real enemy and a real adversary he understood that there was plots plans, schemes being made against him every single day. Listen to him throughout the book of Psalms. Psalms 38 and 20 12, they also who seek after my life. He said, they're seeking my life. They lay snares. Those who seek my hurt speak mischievous things and meditate deceits all day long. Listen to what he says in Psalms 64 and 5. They encourage themselves in evil plans. They talk about laying snares secretly against me. They say, who will even see them? David says, the enemy has never gave up on me, but he is constantly pursuing me trying to buffet me, trying to snare me. David says, they plot, they plan, they scheme, they seek to hurt me. He knew they were trying to kill his life. David even understood their intentions of harm upon him. He says, they speak lies on me. They are mischievous and deceitful. They are clever and they do it secretly where no one ever even sees it. He says, they're master planners in what they're doing. And even though David seen it and knew how much deception was involved, he seen that the enemy was real, he failed somewhere to stay sober, vigilant and watchful and alert. David somehow fell in a snare and was snared. In order for David to be freed, the snare had to be broken because he was caught up in that web, that web of deception. To escape means coming out of something that had you or held you captive. In other words, David was saying, I knew the enemy was after me. I even seen it in advance." and he makes a bold statement in Psalms 119 being a little bit overconfident and cocky and said they've laid many a snare but I've not fell into them I've
1: kept your precepts look I'm a mighty man of God look at what I've done for you Lord but five Psalms later he's saying oh no I've got caught in a web I've got caught in a snare I've got caught in a net I've got caught in trouble and somehow my anointing ain't breaking me through, God. I'm caught. I can't come out. I'm not going through. I'm held. I'm sitting here hindered and buffeted.
0: Oh, God, help us. It was Paul that warned us as a New Testament church. First Timothy 3 and 7, he says, moreover, he must have a good testimony from those that are outside. We gotta have a good testimony to avoid falling into the reproach and the snare of the devil. Amen? We must understand that this happens all too often. We see people caught in snares all the time. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 4, give no place to the devil. It can happen to anyone, and when I say anyone, I mean anyone. And does it doesn't take stupid or arrogant people to be snared. Look at David, a man after God's own heart, and yet he found himself in a snare. Some of the most brilliant minds, the wisest people on the face of the earth have been snared. Look at Solomon, the most wisest man in the world. He was snared. Paul was buffeted and hindered by Satan according to the testimony of his own lips. Matter of fact, Peter was snared. Jesus even said, Peter, when you are converted, strengthen the brethren, in other words, when you have a change of mind, when you repent and when you turn from where you're at, when, you, when you're back to yourself, when you get out of the snare, when you come out of the trap, strengthen your brethren, amen? We don't have time, but we could go through the Bible and reveal how that even a big portion of the apostles and the early patriarchs, the fathers of our faith, many of them were snared, amen? It can happen to anyone, it doesn't matter what position one may hold in the church, it can happen to the janitor and hang to the pastor. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It can happen to someone that's been serving the Lord two years, and it can happen to someone that's been a Christian for 50 years. Amen? It doesn't matter how many degrees in theology a person has. As soon as you think, well, it can't happen to me, it can happen. David, one minute's bragging that it didn't happen. The next minute, he's crying out, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Look at what 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says. Paul said, wherefore let him thinketh that he stand, take heed lest he fall. Don't get overconfident, don't get cocky. Be watchful, be sober because this enemy's real. He's mean, he's deceptive. Notice the kind of trap, the snare or the vice that God used to describe the entanglement and the entrap- entrapment of David and the, which represents the believer. He called it in our text the snare of the fowler. When I think of the snare of the devil, I will think of a snare like a big prison cell or a dungeon or a huge device like a bear trap or an elephant trap or a hippopotamus trap. Come on, somebody. But God uses the allegory or the metaphor of a bird trap to describe Satan's snare to capture us. You know what? That's showing us we're not near as strong in ourselves as we think we are. Amen? He uses this for two reasons. Number one, the fowler's snare seems so little and insignificant, and it mainly remains unseen or undetected because it's so small. First of all, it's let me say this, it's the little foxes that destroy the vine according to the scripture. It's the little termites that can eat away a mighty foundation. Everybody's looking at their house on the outward appearance, but are you really examining the structure? Because one little bitty termite can start, and in 15 or 20 years, you can have a house that's totally destroyed. God even warns us and tells us, do not take lightly the day of small things. Flee the very even appearance of evil. I'll try to talk on that a little bit later, the Lord willing. But if one falls prey to a snare, it's because there's been some small things eating away at the foundation of his faith for a long time. Failure does not just happen, and backsliding does not come overnight. It's the letting down of our guard. It's the letting down of our heads. Come on, somebody. The devil disguises, distracts, lures, misdirects, and uses what we think to be small, insignificant things to snare us. The bird snare is so little that we underestimate its strength and its power and its ability. We'll look at it and laugh at it. Oh, that thing can't snare me. But it was made of sticks and netting to where the bird would, would entangle himself to where he couldn't fly. I want to tell you, the devil will mislead us And he will say things like, oh, it's okay to look at your horoscope. It's so harmless. People every day get the newspaper out and usually read, what was my horoscope say? Don't think anything about it. It's just a little old thing. I want to tell you what it is. It's witchcraft, and it's opening the door to familiar spirits into your life. Oh, it's so small. Come on. You have no idea what you're leasing up on yourself when you just dibble in stuff like that. Small, insignificant things. Come on. I'm going to preach to you today. Well, he'll whisper to you there's no real harm in playing the Ouija board or getting caught up in playing some Dungeons and Dragons. Who are we kidding? Come on, somebody. I don't know why, but they're saying the Ouija board's making a turn, uh, a comeback, and people are getting involved in the Ouija board. It's just a game that they created. I want to tell you: when you begin to look for evil, evil will expose itself. It will reveal itself. Come on, somebody! He'll say things. Well, don't be afraid to go to the horror movie. It's only make believe. It's just a Hollywood production. Go tell that to the kid that has nightmares over it. And the enemy comes in through an open door and begins to put fear into his life. Come on. It's okay to tell a little white lie. Everyone's doing it. It's okay to go to the gambling boats and gambling places. It's just recreation. It's just for fun. Come on. We got a certain amount of money, and we're going to lose this, and when we lose that, it's okay. It's just like going on vacation. Uh-huh. I've heard all kinds of them say that, and before it's over, they lose their home, their land, their car, and everything else. Uh, I won't go there. That goes over like a lead balloon. It's okay to go to the bar scene and the nightclubs as long as you don't drink. Or they'll flip it if you and say this: you can drink as long as you don't go to the bars in the nightclub. It's whatever's the best to his advantage. Come on, he'll twist, he'll turn it. He'll do everything he can to get you to get into that small, little insignificance. Oh, it's okay to put skulls on your body. I'm so sick of the stuff of people wanting to ride to the edge. How much can I? How long? How much can I do
1: and still be a Christian? How close can I get to the edge?
0: How much can I flirt around with? I thought I'm my son. I'll tell you what will happen to you. I'll tell you exactly what will happen to you. That little insignificant thing will flaw you. It'll cause your heads to come down and you'll find yourself in a snare. That's how the enemy works. Hallelujah. He'll say, don't be afraid to just go to that horror movie. It's okay to do these kinds of things, it's okay to go to the bars. I want to tell you, he will try to make dangerous or sinful pursuits appear so harmless and so inviting. He creates in our own mind lying wonders that entice us to partake of the unholy. Folks, do you not realize just touching something unclean in the Old Testament would bring death to a lot of people? He then, as he gets you into that little insignificant thing, he he, he, he puts spots and blemishes and he mars you And you lose your favor and your hedge of protection, and the spirits take you over and you go farther into it than what you want. The devil comes as an angel of light. He doesn't come and say, Hey, let's go rob a bank tonight. He doesn't come out right at first and say, Hey, let's go snort some cocaine. He never comes up and announces the first thing Hey, I'm the devil, worship me. That ain't what he does. He starts out with the enemy breaking down your hedge with small, insignificant things, and then he moves you into the realm of wickedness and darkness. He appears as an angel of light. He resorts to all sorts of trickery, devious tactics, distractions, disguising sinful pursuits and dangers, so they appear to be benign and harmless, and all along they're they're an inward cancer eating away at your soul. It's gonna destroy you. The second reason why God uses the fowl as our example is, he really targets those that fly. I like that. Those that launch, those that are going to higher planes, those that soar like an eagle, those that are hungry and thirst after righteousness. the enemy is after God's elite. Amen? The minute you try to soar, you know one of the things I have found out, the more spiritual we come at this church, And the more we get close to the threshold of going into something phenomenal, the enemy is turned loose on us like never before. He's after those that are gonna be a threat to him. He's after those that will wanna launch to fly to soar in God. The minute you try to soar, get ready, the enemy's out to set you up and bring you down. So if you got a desire to go forward, you better go forward in humility and grace and understand that you got to be watchful, you got to be sober because you'll have a target on your back when you do. You will find that he faced, the, you will find even when you examine Jesus' ministry and Jesus' earthly life, you will find he faced the devil in the wilderness. He faced many cruel trials, temptations, tests, and persecutions from the enemy. He was not even exempt from it. Matthew 12 and 14 says, then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him that they might destroy him. They held a council. They counseled. They sat around and and plotted and schemed. How can we bring him down? Did you know the enemy's plotting over your life right now? He watches every move you make. He tracks you. He sees where you go. He sees uh, your your, your path that you take. He knows the path you go to work. He knows everything between your workplace and your home. He knows every snare that he can lay out there between that. and he watches you, and he plots, and he plans, and he schemes. Matthew 27 and 1 says, When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. Luke 6 and 11, all these are different occasions. And they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they may do to Jesus. They got together and communed one to another. John 11 and 47, they gathered the chief priest and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we do? For this man doeth great miracles. How are we gonna combat that? And then look at Matthew 26, three and four. Then assembled together the chief priest and the scribes and the elders of the people went unto the palace of the high priest and consulted That they might take Jesus by subtility and kill him. In other words, they got together, they consulted each other, they schemed, they plotted, they planned, and how they were going to kill Jesus Christ. They knew they could not murder him, so they tried to snare him and put blame upon him some way so that they could have him killed. But the problem was, Jesus never failed for it. Every step Jesus took, he was under an attack. If it wasn't the high priest, it was the elders. If it wasn't the elders, it was the Pharisees. If it wasn't the Pharisees, it was the Sadducees. If it wasn't the Sadducees, it was the scribes. If it wasn't the scribes, then it was the people who were stirred up by those religious people and the mob come after him. It was just constant. Jesus was under constant scrutiny and he was constantly persecuted, harassed, hounded, and threatened. The Bible says in Matthew twenty-two fifteen. 15, listen to this. The Pharisees, took, the Pharisees took counsel against Jesus, how they might entangle him in his talk. Oh, they were waiting for him to just slip up in his speech. They were weighing out every one of his words and they'd ask him trickery questions, trying to, for him to answer a certain way where they could nail, put the final nail into the coffin. They, and don't think that the enemy ain't doing you the same identical way. They use the smallest of things trying to entrap Jesus. Some of the small things were paying taxes to Caesar or not. They were trying to get him guilty of not paying taxes. And they were asking him questions, setting him up. They were setting him up on healing on the Sabbath day, breaking law. They were setting him up, of picking at his speech, and the list goes on and on and on. They constantly tempted him, accused him, persecuted him, and they tried to discredit him. And there are many ways that a man can be snared, and I ain't got time to preach on everything, but I'll give you a few. One of the greatest tools with the snares, that snares God's people is that of fear. It was Job that said in Job 22 and 10, therefore snares are all around you. Sudden fear troubles you. Job said there's snares all around us and if we're not careful, we will allow those snares and those troubles and all that to cast fear upon us. When you see where the world's going and you see all the trap and all the enslavement that they're trying to do to the persecution of the church, if you're not careful, fear will come on you and replace your faith. And it'll snare you. Come on, somebody. One of the devil's greatest tricks is giving us a spirit of fear in the place of faith. Fear is nothing more than a removal of our faith and our trust and our and our and our faithfulness to God. It was Jeremiah that said in Jeremiah forty eight, forty-three, fear and the pit and the snare are on you. He put all those together. You can't separate them. Jeremiah 48 and 44, he says, He who flees from the fear shall fall into the pit, and he who gets up of the pit shall be taken in a snare. The person that operates or walks or lives in fear will be brought to destruction, he says. He was saying fear is driving you to the pit, and when the pit gets done with you, you're going to be trapped. You're going to be ensnared. You're going to be held captive. Proverbs 29 and 25 says, The fear of man proves to be a snare, but whosoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be kept alive. Folks, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Can I have an amen? It is perfect love that casteth out fear. When you build that relationship with God, fear is diminished. Can I tell you that the, the fowler isn't going to be able to successfully snare anyone that's putting their full confidence in God? Listen to Proverbs 29 and 6. The fear of man proves to be a snare, but whosoever puts trust in the Lord will be kept alive. Sin's also something that will snare us. I don't have to tell us that. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 and six, an evil man is snared by his sin. The righteous can sing and be glad. Psalms 106, 36 says they served their idols which became a snare to them. Proverbs 5, 22 says the evil deeds of the wicked ensnare him and the cords of his sin hold him firmly. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin's death. Proverbs 14, 34, sin is a reproach to any people. We know that sin will snare us. Another thing, being unequally yoked in relationships and in businesses and in marriages and, and friendships can snare you. As a matter of fact, he tells us in Proverbs 22 and 25 not to be unequally yoked, lest you learn the man his ways and he ensnare your soul. Bible says don't let someone influence you that's of a bad influence. Watch who your friends are. Can I preach a pastoral message here? Our words can also snare us. Proverbs 18 and 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Matthew 12, 37, by your words you'll be justified or by your words you'll be condemned. Ecclesiastics five and three, a fool's voice is known by the multitude of his words. The Bible even says in James 1 and 19, for, for my beloved, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Listen to what the Bible also tells us over in the book of Proverbs 6 and 2. You are trapped by your words of your mouth. You are ensnared with the words of your mouth. Proverbs 18 and 7 says, a fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are a snare to his soul. There are many, many other things that can snare us that some of us we don't even pay attention to. First Timothy six and nine, Paul warns us, those who are determined to be rich, they'll fall in the temptation and the snare of the devil and many foolish and harmful lusts shall drown men in perdition and ruin them in destruction. Just going after the things of the earth can put us in a snare. There are snares everywhere. They're all around us. There are traps, there's pits, there's snares that are strategically positioned by the enemy to try to capture every single one of us. And the truth of the matter is, we have many brothers and sisters that have fallen into those traps. And a lot of us think, well, who are they? Well, I want to tell you, I've been in one before. Even when I pastored, I've stepped in a snare before. I'm like Raymond Crowley. I'm not as holy as some of you. There's a human element about me. There's times I didn't see it coming. Shook my faith. Fear or anxiety. I had so much anxiety one time my heart ran away with me and I almost had a heart attack. I was in my 20s. Thought I was going to have to go to the hospital. The enemy snared me with fear. I couldn't hardly operate. I couldn't even hardly get up and preach because I was afraid I can't exert myself. If I do, I'll have a heart attack. And for a long time, I let fear dominate me. Come on, somebody. Are you listening to me? Regardless of what we think, it's our job to be our brother's keeper. We as Christians don't exactly have the best track record at that, in forgiving and restoring people that have fallen prey to the enemy. We all too often have been guilty of shooting our own wounded and ganging up on them who are caught in this web of deception and in their traps. And the last thing they need is more judgment heaped upon them by us. Come on, somebody. They have already heaped a whole lot of judgment upon themselves and they're under a crushing load of guilt and condemnation and they're drowning in it. We don't need to add to it because a drowning man doesn't need a swimming lesson or a lecture. If I'm drowning, don't sit there and give me a swimming lecture. Lecture. I need a savior. I need a rope of hope. Can I have an amen? But what happens all too often is we say things like this: "You made your bed, now sleep in it." Come on now. We want to throw them under the bus and say things. Well, you fell into your own sin by choice. It's your fault. Tis tis shame shame. You should have known better. You reap what you sow. That's what we want to throw at them. But just remember, if it wasn't for the grace of God, you would have been there. And let me stop right here. You're not done living, yet you may end up there. David did, man after God's own heart. There are people that is prodigals. I get that. There are people that are bent on doing what they're going to do. And that word bent means iniquity. And they're just stubborn or stiff-necked. They'll lie to you. They'll tell you anything you want to know but they're, they're going to do what they're going to do and they're prodigals and the father didn't go after them. There's some people you can't help, I understand, but we've got to have a discernment between the two because there are some very innocent little lambs out there that's fallen into prey, they've fallen into snares, they're men and women of God, they love God, but they're trapped. And I want to tell you, Jesus left the 90 and 99 to go look for that one that was trapped. He was a little lost lamb. There are those that are enslaved, held captive to some kind of a lust, addiction, vice, spirit of some kind. It ain't always big, deep sins. They need our help. Romans 5 and 1 says, we who are strong ought to bear the infirmities of them that are weak and not please ourselves. The Bible tells us in Galatians 6 and 1, brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself Lest you be tempted. He warns you there. He said, "Buddy, you better do this in humility and grace. don't be cocky and arrogant that you're better than everybody else. and you're superior. There's something that God keeps ringing in every one of these servants, and that is that the palace of praise never needs to feel like the church that, are, that is superior. We are not superior. The only thing that makes us strong is the name of Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? Give the Lord praise for that. God just left me here this morning. I'll be closing. I'm here to speak to everyone that's fallen, everyone that's been snared. Don't be embarrassed. I'm I'm here to tell you, get up! Get up! I say, get up! Brush yourself off and say, I'm not done yet, and keep walking. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 24, 16, that a just man, say just. Just man, he falls seven times. He'll fall seven times, but he'll get back up. 1 John 1 and 9, my friend, is real if we'll confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When Peter asked him, how many times did I gotta forgive that brother? Seven times, he said 70 times seven. And if, and if Peter has to, has to uh, forgive somebody 70 times seven, how much more do your heavenly father forgive you of your transgression? Can I have an Amen. You say, well, you don't understand I'm weak, I'm addicted, I'm enslaved, I'm trapped, I'm frail. Did not you read the rest of that verse? Did you listen to the whole scripture? He not only forgives us for our sin, but he cleanses us from all
1: unrighteousness. Hallelujah. He delivers, he breaks the net. He removes its effect and destroys the snare's
0: ability to hold you. A broken net can't keep anyone captive. Did you know a broken snare cannot enslave anybody? An unlocked door can't keep anybody from going out it. They say you can put a rope around an elephant's foot. Put a block on it, and it can be 50 foot, 20 foot, whatever you wanted to make it, the rope. Put that block out there, a boulder to where it can't hardly move. And said it'll stay within the perimeters of that rope. Ever how long it is. And they said, You can keep him there for so many months, and they go take the rope off, and he will stay within the perimeter of that rope, not knowing that it's gone. God help us. Just like cattle, I, saw, I see these big old cows out in the middle of a field, and all is between them and escape is a little bitty wire with an electric current going through it. And they'll stay there and even when the electric goes off until they brush up against it by accident and find out it's not on, they'll stay in that field forever. That little old wire. Look how big they are. They talked about putting monkeys in a room. One monkey, they starved him. They put him in a room. The room had a tree in it with bananas at the top of the tree. And the monkey would run up the tree, grab a banana and come down and start to eat it. And they'd take the banana away and they'd whip it. And it's starving. They haven't fed it, nothing. The monkey, after a while, would get so hungry, he'd run up the tree, get a banana, come back down and eat it, start to eat it, and then whip it. And finally, it got to the point that he wouldn't even run up the tree to get the banana. They threw another monkey in there with him and with the same scenario where they starved it. that monkey ran up the tree and when it did, the other monkey ran up the tree and grabbed a hold of it and pulled it down and whipped it. And I'm here to tell you that's just about the way the church operates. God help us. I'm here to give hope to those that are enslaved here today. You feel dirty and you feel unworthy and you're condemned and you got, you're not dirty and unworthy.
1: You're a child of God that's caught in a snare. But that's not your destiny. That's not your end. That's not the end of your possibility. God's got a way of escape. don't have to be hindered and caught off guard and snared, entrapped and overcome.
0: Oh God, help us. All I can say is what Psalms 91 and three says. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the, pestilence, the perilous pestilence. It's time to fly, old oh church. It's time to soar, it's time to take to the sky. It's time to fly high as God has designed us. It's time for you to launch, soar to the high places of God in Christ Jesus. Get out of your valley of despair and reach out, reach up, and grab a hold of God's unchanging hand. And listen to Isaiah 40 and 31. But those that hope in the Lord shall renew their strength, they will soar on wings of eagles, they shall run and not grow weary, they shall walk and they shall not faint. I say to this congregation, fly, fly. Pour out
1: your wings and fly. Soar, soar, launch, launch." the net's broken. The blood of Jesus is sufficient. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. Deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. If God be for you, who can be against you?
0: As old Raymond Crowley said, I don't know, I don't have a desire to sin, I don't plan to sin. But if old Sleuthfoot gets
1: a hold of me and knocks me down, when I get all the cobwebs out of my head, I'm getting back up.
0: Would you stand with me this morning? Everybody that's got something pulling at them and hindering them, opposing them, you're struggling, you're fighting to keep your head above water, you're treading water, you're caught in a net. (laughs) Don't be ashamed. We've all been there. This church is not against you. We're for you. We're not going to throw you under the bus. We're not going to shoot you in the head. We're not going to say you made your bed lie in it. We're going to say, I understand. i being been where you're at. I've done some stupid things in my life. Have you? But don't make me stupid. What makes me stupid if I remain in the captivity of that stupidity? Somewhere all over this building, God showed me there are people that's got their foot in the snare, hindered, posed. God wants to break the shackles. God wants to free you. God wants to come down over this congregation and cause us to floor into our, fly and soar into our destiny and reap this city for the harvest. But we need you healthy, we need you whole because you're a part of God's great plan. I looked at a young man the other day who was struggling, opposed by the enemy, felt defeated and condemned, head down, demeanor was just destroyed. No self-confidence, self-worth. Didn't feel like God loved him anymore. Just beat up. Just just whipped because he failed. And I went up and I grabbed a hold of him. He said, oh, mighty man of God. And I put my arms around him. Started loving on him and praying for him. He said, oh, ho, 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 ho. what do you mean mighty man of God? I'm not a mighty man. I said, yes, you are. You are whatever you think you're going to be. It's time for you to quit walling around in your self-pity, quit feeling sorry for yourself, and know that you've been blood-bought, redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and then start living out your purpose and your calling that God's placed within you. And if you got that desire, nothing, hell can't stop you. Come on, somebody. So what? You've made some mistakes. So what? You've marred the name of Jesus even. So what? You've embarrassed your family. He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. He that saith he had no sin, he's a liar, and the truth ain't in him. There's nowhere in this building, outside of the blood's covering, where I could go up to somebody and say, ha, you never, you never have sinned, or you, you, know, you didn't have need of the blood of the lamb. We all in need of the blood of the lamb. We're all in need of forgiveness. Amen, and if you're here this morning, this is for you. It's your opportunity to overcome all this nonsense. You know, and here's what really irritates me about the enemy. The way that transgressors feel about themselves, they think the whole church feels that same way about them. That's not true. We rejoice when you come back and come out of the snare. If we could break the snare for you, we would but your help lies in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Hallelujah. The King David was snared, but the snare was broken and all the people that was with him come out rejoicing, saying, we have escaped. God's got a way of escape for you here today. I need you to come fastly, those of you that are struggling. Don't, don't waste time. We're gonna lay hands on you and believe God. You're struggling with emotion. You're struggling with failure. You're struggling with spirits. You're struggling with temptation. You're struggling with whatever. It doesn't matter. Don't matter how deep it runs. Don't matter how far it goes. Folks, there's a lot more than this. God showed me. Oh man, this is your victory day. This is the day you're an overcomer. I need every one of my staff and my council and my my, uh, elders. I need you up here praying victory over them. I mean, laying hands on them and rebuking the enemy and breaking the net and praying forgiveness and cleansing upon them. You're hindered, you're opposed. God loves you, God ain't forsaken you. Oh, yeah. Time to fly. Time to say,
1: I rebuke the snare. I resist the snare. I'm done with the snare. I'm done where I'm at. I'm coming out.
0: I'm shaking myself. I'm done. In the name of Jesus.
1: understand and I don't always get to see but I will believe